this is Junk Miles, episode 13, Chip. Lucky number 13. Lucky number 13. I'm feeling good about this one. It's a beautiful, actually unseasonably hot October day, and we are at the hub. I would say one of the hubs of Philly running. I'm going to say that kids aren't going to be wearing their... Uh, their winter jackets over their Halloween costumes this year. This is Lloyd Hall. We've been a couple times. We started runs here. This was our, f- our first. This is yes. where we first started our podcast. Was right in this spot. Now a lot of people have said to us, guys, you sound like you know what you're doing running wise, but you really don't. You could probably use coaching. We obviously refer to ourselves as elite runners. Mm-hmm. We are elite runners, uh, but we've gotten a lot of angry emails, a lot of angry calls saying that uh, you have no idea what you're doing. All our tips are wrong. Yeah. Yeah, really off base. Mexican food breakfast before a race? Yes, dangerous. Uh, wearing all black at night because it's slimming. People don't like that one. Uh, it, it just doesn't go well. So uh, since we have gotten many, many complaints, I figured, you know, let's get, an, let's, get, let's get somebody that you would call an expert, even though we are. Right. Right. Another expert on the sh- expert. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're happy to have a professional running coach. Um, he is Gerard Pescator. Hi, Gerard. How are you? Nice to meet you guys. How are you doing? Yeah, doing great. You are the owner of SweatEquityRunning.com. True or false? That is true. True. You are a certified running coach. True? I am. That's true. That's also true. And this is what I love. You are also certified podorthist. That's right. Yes, I am. Did I say that right? Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about podorthism? Yeah, it's somebody who knows a lot about the foot and runner's gait and that kind of thing and various ailments and how to put people into the right running shoes and that kind of thing. Now that's the most, when people come to me and they're like, Jeff, I want to do running. I want to like get involved. Me not knowing, but I love to talk about it, but I'm totally uneducated. I just go first get a gait assessment. Is that a good idea? Yeah, that's one way to do it. Absolutely. I you know, recommend going to uh, like a local running store mm-hmm. versus like a Dick's sporting yeah. goods kind of thing. I mean, not to say that they don't know what they're talking about, but generally you're better off going to a place where most likely in running stores, you're going to find runners that work there and they're going to know a little bit more about the sneakers and running itself. Yeah. Now you, I go in, I get my gait assessed. Mm-hmm. Are you going to then tell me to switch my gait around, change it a little bit, or just more suggest the type of shoe that goes? Most likely you're going to suggest a certain type of shoe. You don't want to reinvent the wheel and have somebody thinking too much and, and various, you know, pointing out their hips or something like that when they're running. Um, typically, well, uh, we're um, one of the places that... Um, I work part-time would be New Balance, and we do uh, we have a, something called an, an I-Step machine where you can do a, a scan of somebody's foot and the pressure points of their foot, and you learn a little bit more about the size, the width, uh, the pressure points, the, uh, the arch height is also indicative of what kind of shoe you should be in as well. But also, there's going to be exceptions to every rule. Mm-hmm. I mean, my uh, foot basically says I should be in a stability shoe, but I've always run in a neutral cushion shoe. And See, I'm scared. I... Ten years ago, I almost quit running because my knees were so bad. Okay. So I walk into Bryn Mawr Running Company, and I just said, can you give me any help? She's like, well, what are you wearing? I showed her my sneakers, and then she gave me a little gait assessment. She gave me a pair of shoes. I'm like, oh, my God, this feels so good. Probably six months later, I was running like a, like, you know, as well as I could. Right. And it pretty much saved my running, like getting the right sneaker. And I was, she's like, stability, and I needed high, uh, I think like a, I, right now, I go for 11 or 12 millimeter drop. Okay. And so whenever I'm looking for shoes, I'm like, I need stability. I need that kind of high drop. Every pair of sneakers super dorky. Sure, of course. But um, let's just say uh, I think it's, it suits you well. Thank you. Can well, I thank you. That? That, I think that's now, I did something dumb. I recently, I had the 
because Chip, you and I were wearing the same Mizunos for a while, and I, and they were they were just so right. And I went to get my new pair, and the colors were just not what I needed for my style. So I'm like, I'll switch. So I switched to Brooks, same size, everything. They're just a little too loose. Okay. So I wasted 110. dollars yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the thing is, with sneakers, I'm always I'll buy one pair at Philly Runner because I because they always give me good advice. I like people there, and then I'll buy because I'm not a rich man, Gerard, by any means. Then I will buy a pair online, like the version before. Yeah. Right? Is that a good idea? I mean, in, in some cases, it's a good idea because you can save some money. But there's also tweaks that they'll do from one uh, yeah. variation to the next. Uh, the version six, version seven, version eight. They, some sneakers are up to 18 at this point. I, I maybe more. But uh, yes, they'll tweak them. For example, uh, I'm in the New Balance 1080 version 7, which runs short. So I'm normally a 10 and a half, but for this, I'll take an 11. Oh. Um, and fresh foam? Yes, this is the fresh foam. And the version 6 ran a little big because the foot, uh, the, uh, the toe box was much wider in the yeah. version 6 versus this one, which the toe box is a little lower, a little bit more um, tapered, so it runs shorter. So it's like you just... It's some, unfortunately, it's trial and error. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's we don't have we don't we don't have an unlimited amount of funds. So, but uh, yeah, that's New Balance is my comfy, going out having fun non-running sneaker. I I run in New Balance before, but they're like my treat. Yes. You know what I mean? Like they look. I think they look better than all the other running shoes. So I will wear them as like you know. I've been having trouble trying to find a nice pair of, uh, I'll call them casual sneaks yeah, yeah. Uh, that, I, that I wear when I perform or I'm just out in a, in a casual. Uh, I used to be, a, a my go-to was the Pumas, the nice basket Pumas, uh, but as I'm becoming an old man, the stability isn't there and it's it's just, it's rubber and uh, and suede and it doesn't, it, it, I, I feel that... Wasn't Rubber and Suede the name of your second comedy album? Yeah, uh, Stevie Nicks and I, uh, we actually did comedy together, uh, Rubber and Suede, and uh, she was great. I mean, she was just so loose with it. She's funny too, right? Really a funny gal. Like one of the funniest, like, wear, like funniest people wearing a witch costume pretty much when she performs. Speaking of Stevie Nicks being funny, there is a video out there that a few of my friends found last year or two ago that I will watch on a weekly basis. It's on YouTube. Uh, it's Stevie Nicks from the early 80s, I believe, uh, she is, I think she's getting ready for a photo shoot for Rolling Stone and she's sitting in, it's not, a, it's almost like a, it's like a loft somewhere and there's a woman who is, she's her makeup woman, she's putting the makeup on and uh, her guitar player, I guess, is, is playing, I don't know if it's another member of Fleetwood Mac or just a guitar player and he starts playing the song Wild Hearts, I believe it's called Wild Hearts, which is one of her solo hits, I believe, and he, she just starts singing as the woman's applying the makeup and she just starts singing to this woman six inches from her face and it's just i don't want to say there were drugs involved but it was in the 1980s and she seemed very confident but she sang this beautiful rendition of the song wild hearts and it, it gives me chills uh you listen to the actual recording and it's just this watered down recording uh go to that video of stevie nicks singing wild hearts to her makeup person it's one of my favorite videos of all time oh, that's a chip chantry uh Leadlock pick of the week, right there. Yeah. Hey, but and by the way, I, these are unfortunately, and I, I'm embarrassed to say, these are a bit of an older shoes. They look horribly old. Look, there's like moth. Yeah, I got well, it's on my toe right there. George, do you get mad? I didn't mean to interrupt you. Do you get mad when you see people in like improper footwear? Well, I don't get mad, but I, I I do feel you know bad for them. I feel like they're not doing themselves any favors. I, yeah. Some people come in, and I could tell that the shoes that they're in are probably between four and eight years old. And <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> now, I, and I'm a little overdue. These are these are about a year old, and I put I put. That's not, too, that's not I, awful. 
I've put a lot of, I, but I do, you know what I do, and I shouldn't, I, I'll wear these casually too, instead of just running in them. What, what, what's your, is there a general rule of thumb, or uh, rule of toe, let's say, yeah, since we're talking yeah. about feet, uh, how often, whether mileage-wise, I, I guess that's hard to shoot, but, or, or time-wise, what's a good time, if, you, if you're a fairly uh, dedicated runner, how, how often are we yeah, getting? So you do like 20 to 30 miles a week. Okay, so, I mean, you'll hear all kinds of, talk on this i mean some people say every 350 miles you should change your yep. your sneakers every 500 i think it's different for everybody i think you'll start to to feel aches and pains in certain parts of your bodies when maybe it's time for a new pair i i generally uh well because of new balance i probably can get my sneakers a little bit fast uh sure. i get to turn over them a little faster than i normally would but um and we all try to stretch them as much as possible but um you know we say to people if you're using them every day six to eight months but okay. i think most people are going to push it beyond that point though but i think you'll start to feel it in your hips knees yeah. and, and uh, even your ankles if it's if you if you go beyond the, the the useful life of your sneakers and then i typically will only run in my running sneakers i don't wear them casually until i retire them and then they be well they used to become my lawn shoes and that's my my lawn mowing i i retire i have a little ceremony yes. i'm like you did you did me justice you did me a great service now you'll on lawn mowing duty. I just thought it was so beautiful that evening you invited me over with you ceremony. with you and your family. You took your old running shoes, mm -hmm. put them on a heap of grass as a pyre, lit mm -hmm. the heap of grass, yeah. and the, the shoes went up in flame. We, we said a few uh, ancient prayers and kind of spoken tongues. Some druid stuff we did. And uh, it was just... Pagan. Yeah, and I, I mean, I cried uh, tears of joy. It was, it was just a moving event. I like running is my life. So that's basically, I take that from when I'm not running, I incorporate it to activities with my children, running type activities like that. It's important, you know? We're going to get ready to run soon. Right now we're just getting, but I want to, before we go out to run, what is the first thing you tell someone? There's like, Gerard, just let's say you're, you're you're hanging out, you're going to dinner with friends, you meet a new friend. And I go, oh, you're a runner? And the guy's like, I never run before. What, uh, what should I do to get started? Like, what do you tell them first before anything else? I mean, aside from getting the right shoes, yeah. I would say don't overdo it too soon. A little bit at a time. Don't uh, don't think of where you want to be. Like, don't don't think six months out. Think, you know, this run and this week, you know, and if you're going to try to increase your mileage and stick with it, I use that 10% rule. Don't change your mileage by 10% from one week to the next. And then cut back every three or four weeks. Give oh, really? Your body a break. Yeah. See, I've never heard that. Yeah. I think that's I've, anything where they like a coach like you would say give your body a break that's what i'm probably keying in on yes right yeah you're about breaks you're, you're excellent mm -hmm. at taking hiatus <laughs> really am and also like uh too which i want to get into a little bit later like i really might be the worst taper in the world like sometimes i feel guilty like i'm like why am i i i have a big race coming up and i'm just not doing what i should be doing i know the logic behind it but i yeah, I, we all get a little weird in the taper too. We have trouble trusting it, and yeah. we feel like we should be doing more, and uh, we worry that we're losing our fitness when it's not really the case. But you do have more time to think about things too in the taper, which kind of works sometimes against you. Pro taper, I you know I I, I think pro taper is good. It's it's about resting. That's you know what a taper is, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You're you're taking the big uh, you know you're taking the big runs, and then we're bringing it down just a little bit, a little decrescendo. As I I call it a decrescendo. Whoa. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good word. It's probably probably a, a widely used running word that we don't even know that the pros are using, right? Well, actually, I I I have a new line of running shoes that I'll be debuting for the Christmas season called the Day Crescendo. Crescendo, Chip Chantry, Day Crescendo, and they're they're really made for tapering and uh, taking breaks. So you wear these running shoes when you're not running. 
Fantastic. All right, we're going to walk over to a path. Let me uh, just save this bit. We're going to come right back at you. We're going to start running down. We're going to go south from Lloyd Hall down to beautiful uh, Schuylkill Banks. Down to Land of Dixie. Dixie. We're going to go over to P University of Pennsylvania, my place of work, and uh, we'll see how it goes. All right, we'll be back. And we're back, people. Junk Miles, episode 13, Chip Chantry, Gerard Pescatore, we are running. So, Gerard, I don't want to start off on a negative, but what do you see as a running coach when you get a game plan for your person you're training? What do you see the most that people do wrong that's kind of remedied so you're not, you know, going to be like, all right, you need to really rework this? I think some of it has to do with, like, sticking to a plan once you, once you do have a plan in place. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, people have an A, we call it like an A goal, an A race down the line, maybe three or four months out. And then sometimes runners will develop like a side goal along the way. And sometimes that could derail your main, your main goal down the road. So do you see people get a little too eager once they're like, hey, I just did a mile. It didn't kill me. I'm just going to go two right away. That'll happen sometimes, but uh, I think more so it's somebody hires a coach. They start to put more pressure on themselves. They feel like, okay, I need to get better. Oh, yeah. I need to get better now. And I need to perform a particular coach. And really, that's not. You're, would you consider yourself a taskmaster? No, I'm more collaborative type of coach with my, with my athletes. Yeah. You know, and most of the people I coach are, some of them are new to running. Some of them have more experience. But, you know, none of us are going to be professional athletes. Right. So, and some of us are age groupers, which is great. But, at the end of the day, we have lives. <laughs> exactly right. And we need to fit in our training around our schedule. So, I do try to work with every runner I have. And we do make changes along the way have to because, obviously, something happens. You get sick, you have a work trip, that kind of thing. Right. Now, I know when you, when someone goes to Sweat Equity, running.com, you as a running coach, you make them kind of fill out a form. Get a feel of what kind of runner to, to learn a little bit more about them to learn about where they are now how much experience they have and where they want to be down the road obviously you're running you want to become a better runner what other exercises are you on well, i'll check in with my runners and, and and myself of course if you have like trouble spots with your own body like some people have hip issues glute issues or calf problem so i'll have them do certain exercises that'll strengthen those areas now, right now, I'm training for a marathon and my, my knee, my left knee, completely just wants to see me stop running. I fell off a ladder because I'm old and stupid. And I thought the knee injury was due to the- Obviously, I don't mean to interrupt. Uh, obviously, Jeff, that is a euphemism that you fell off a ladder. Oh. Obviously, you didn't fall off an actual ladder. So could you explain that euphemism <laughs> that you just came up with? I honestly did fall off a ladder, Chip. Okay. I think we discussed it. Yeah. Anyway, so I have this, you know, bum knee but i'm still a professional coach would hate i'm just gonna run to the i do the marathon and just run till it falls off is that a bad idea well i would always suggest to check with your doctor make sure you're not going to make things worse yeah at the same time i'm a runner myself and i've probably done certain races when i probably shouldn't have but what i try to do for my runners is to get them to the starting line safely and prepared and that kind of thing and yeah i think that's a good idea but, I do understand sometimes you, you still want to do the race, whether or not you feel like you're ready for it, 
but you know, that's what we do sometimes. Yeah. We're all elite racers right here. Yeah. Level. Uh, could we get you to confess those, Rod? Uh, what's one of the biggest mistakes you've ever made, whether it's in a run? Uh, is there something you did that you will never do again? Well, it's actually my first marathon, which was in Philly. And I had a goal of, you know, just doing a 310 uh, at the time, which was my first marathon. It's probably a little too ambitious for a first one. And as I went out, I went out too fast, which most people do probably for their first marathon. Sure. And as the race developed, I said, oh, wow, maybe I could break three hours. And of course, I got into Maniunk and proceeded to hit the wall. Did you have a beer? Maniunk? Not that time, but I have had yeah. my Maniunk beers before. So you hit the wall, we're talking, that's my own. Yeah, and the last last 10K was an, <laughs> an, an eternity. So no, I didn't break three hours or break, I did not break 310 either, so. <laughs> and, the, and the beautiful thing about that is you're going into Maniunk where the crowd support is amazing. So it's just two more miles in and back of people watching you struggle walking. with jelly legs, walking. And when you turn around in Maniunk, you're the furthest away from the finish yes. line, psychologically and literally. Besides the uh, river loop, the Schuylkill Banks, what around Philly, either for a or the greater Philadelphia, where do you like to go to mix it up? Drive once in a while into in, the, the main bridal path. I'm not, I don't necessarily go off the much because I'm not, I'm not really going when I'm on the trails, but I do like the uh, the main path, which is always this time of year. Great shade for the hotter weather. I know in summer running in August, one of my favorite parts of Forbidden Drive, dodging the giant of horse. Yeah. Yeah. First time I ran Forbidden Drive, I did, had no idea. They had horses roaming freely. Well, you know, people on horseback. And I saw a giant um, clump. All right, we're gonna go through. Excuse me. Is that that's Philadelphia? When I when yeah. I tell them that's Philadelphia. At the end of a run uh, two years ago, it was the last day of the year, December. I was trying to hit a mileage goal, and it was forbidden drive. It was beautiful. Just about finished, and I stepped in a giant clump. Both feet. What about uh outside of the city? Uh, I work in Norristown, so I'll go out the Schuylkill River Trail out that way towards like Valley Forge, which yeah. is pretty nice, nice and flat. A little bit more desolate in spots, but pretty once you get, especially Valley itself. At that river, all the way up and just keep going, right? I mean, I forget how many miles out it goes at this point, but it's, I think you can go you know, 30 each way. It's pretty far. Uh, pretty flat. I'm always looking, I think uh, right now where I live, everything's a hill. And it's good for training wise, but I call it the uh, MC Escher neighborhood. No matter where I run, I always finish going uphill and it's just brutal. And I, so that's why I drive down every weekend down here to just run along the river and enjoy the flatness. I'm at the point now, an old man, 64 years young, that I, when I look, when I go to marathonguide.com, first thing I look at for uh, marathons, how flat it is. Like, am I just, you know, copping out? No, because in fact, sometimes, sometimes all flat isn't necessarily, isn't necessarily easier because you don't have the variation on the body. That's a good point. Banging, like, or impacting the same parts of your or the race. But, the flatness does help break down. White treadmills are bad. Lack of diversity, uh, basically what you're running on. I, I don't know if treadmills are necessarily bad. I know they're convenient for bad weather and that kind of thing, but I think it does do a certain percentage of the work for you right 
and you know 7:30 to an eight-minute pace on the treadmill it doesn't necessarily translate to the same pace on on a, on a road or outside somewhere. Now, Gerard, you are you do a lot of races. You do halves. You do 5Ks. Pretty much, is that because being a coach, you want to know what it takes to do all these different races? I mean, it definitely helps. A lot of the shorter races I'll do kind of as lead-ups to my longer races if I'm in like a marathon cycle. Like I just finished a marathon cycle two weeks ago and uh, about four to six weeks before I'll usually try to do like a, uh, a half just to sort of as a dress rehearsal. Yep. Just to see where my fitness is and I'll also do like a 5k somewhere in the cycle too just to just to see where I am in terms of uh, my speed. I uh, when I first started doing marathons I told people a great thing about Philly is you can do a half in September and then in the third week of October, you can go do an eight miler in Long Beach Island, right? And it just kind of worked out in like the training that I was doing. So it was motivation to keep going. I did that for the first marathon because I think we talked about this, Chip. I'm cheap. If I sign up for a race, I'm going to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you consider that a good motivation for new runners, like sign up for a 5K? I think it definitely is nice to have a goal on the on the calendar for yourself to work towards. Otherwise, you know, it's if you can, if you can't self motivate, a race really is helpful. Actually, that's typically why I'll stick with races myself because it's nice to have something four to six months out to keep yourself going. Now you you're a veteran. Twenty three marathons, twenty four now. Yeah, I think I just finished my twenty third. Nice. Do you ever get to the point where you're like, all right, that's enough. I'm gonna I'm gonna try something different now. I say that probably during every marathon. <laughs> now you're, Chip, I, I don't mean to, we're called middle of the guys. We're still elite, right? Oh yeah, we're middle of the pack. We're the middle, like the, the being average. Right, and Jarvis, you are someone who usually strives for under three, because historically that's how you've you've run, correct? Yeah, you train for that? Typically at this point, yeah, three would be my, you know, if my training cycle goes well, I'll, I'll try to be in that 254 to three hour range. Um, I'm at that point in my life where there still might be a chance of a PR, but those, those, that window's kind of closing <laughs> as, I, as I head towards my 50s. Yeah, I told Chip, I think, recently, once I hit my mid-40s, it literally, my body goes, guess what, Jeff? Welcome to mid-40s. 15 pounds you're not going to get rid of, no matter how much you run, and it'd be much slower. I thought it was nice. I mean, I like the way my body presented it and just let me know. And I still haven't been able to, like, figure out a way to, like, get younger. Jared, I'm guessing, besides some magical serum, there's nothing you can do to, like, get back to the good old days. You can maybe extend it for a while, but at some point, it's going to catch up with you. I mean, you can do more strength work. You can uh, improve your diet, that kind of thing. But oh, good Lord. At the end of the day, we're going to slow down at some point. And then it's just a matter of setting realistic expectations. Yeah. You want to get out there. You want to have fun. You want to... You know, someone once told me, if you run the same time every year, you're actually improving. Well, that's true, right? It does make, make some sense there. So right now we are on, this is Schuylkill Banks. Yeah. It is beautiful. We uh, are going to cross the uh, Schuylkill at some point. That's fantastic. Right, we're getting a little train noise, guys. Yeah. Thing about Junk Miles, Chip and Jeff, you get some ambient noise. You get some real noise, right, Chip? really do, and that's, that sets us apart from the other podcasts who want to sit in a studio uh, in their ivory towers. So, you know, we're out there with trains. Are you talking about the podcast Ivory Tower Running? Major competitors, and I think they've lost touch with the running community. 
I agree. See, whenever we go uphill, I put the mic in front of Chip's face so I don't have to, as I'm struggling uphill right now. We're gonna get to the uh, top here and take a break. Save this, I'd say groundbreaking portion of the podcast. And then we're, uh, this is South Street, right? We'll make a right, head towards Penn. I should go around Franklin Field into uh, Penn's Park. To the east, to the east, the road beneath my feet. To the west, to the west, well I haven't got there yet. And to the north, to the north, never to be caught. To the south, to the south, my time is running out. Ever since my childhood.
horizon is my home I face the horizon everywhere that I go I face the horizon the horizon is my home and that was The Road by Frank Turner off of Poetry of the Dead great album great artist check out The Road Frank Turner I believe that's on Epitaph Records and we're back people we are now University of Pennsylvania campus Ivy League institution. It, uh, it's been home to Jeff Lyons working here for 11 years now. Hoping for 10 more to get my kids through college. This is Junk Miles, episode 13. Running Coach Gerard Pescator. Chipping horrible laryngitis, but he's pulling through. Can't speak a word right now, Jeff. Yeah. yeah it, You're doing great. Really not, a, really not a good day. What I want to talk about, and this thing that's close to uh, near and dear to my heart, is stuff when you're running that chip the only thing you carry are motivational signs for yourself correct i do carry motivational signs and i've definitely uh decreased i'll carry the motivational sign i'll hold it up for me no oh, i'm sorry no i apologize i'm uh, not very wind uh resistant unfortunately right a lot of them are like go chip go in the best what i used to do and i think i made a mistake when i first started running what i would run with besides my phone and a water bottle i would run with generally some twine a broken piece of glass, a yo-yo, yeah. a slingshot, and frog. You know, I was, I basically ran like one of the little rascals or Dennis the Menace. And I, honestly, I, I don't think it worked well for me. It was fun, right? You had all your fun stuff. And usually, but although I would have the lucky rabbit's foot with me, which would be good. So now I'm assuming that Gerard kind of runs with the same type of things, the, the live frog, the twine, the yo-yo. Uh, the, only, the only way we're going to find out is ask him. Gerard, let's say you're, uh, you're doing a marathon. What are you wearing? What are you carrying? Uh, depending on the, the mileage, uh, anything up to 12 or 14 miles, I'll generally carry nothing. I could, I'm okay up to 12 for sure, but I'm usually pushing my luck at 14. So what I'll do is I'll carry some energy gels with me. Goo? Yes, goo. Uh, usually trial and error with the flavors. Yeah, it's marathon day. You're, you're running. What are you doing? I'll generally go with goo every 30, 40 minutes. Uh, and at the water stops in the marathon, you have water opportunities much more than your training run. Right. So I won't take it on every water stop, but generally every three miles or so, I'll take water and or too. I usually go by my stomach versus my my head. Yeah. My head's a little funky. I'll go with more Gatorade than water. My stomach's starting to feel a little quirky. I'll stick with water. This is great. Right now we are pretty much Franklin Field. Seeing uh, Penyon has some money. They have some really nice facilities. Looks like we got a lacrosse game going on over here. Yeah. It's either football with sticks, and I don't think that sounds Well, Chip, are you disparaging Philly's hottest new sport? Stick football? Yes. It's a hate time. It's what the kids in the neighborhoods were doing. Uh, so, you know, I wouldn't give them a shot. I think that it was a call basically to football, but more violent, right? Exactly. Yeah. Football wasn't enough, so they'd say, hey, let's, let's sticks. It's popular with the 700 level crowd. <laughs> they want they want hard hitting. Now, North Jersey, being in 20 years, at what point did you switch allegiances from like a horrible Mets team and became a Phillies fan and became a Sixers fan? Yeah, I grew up a Yankees fan. All right, good good for you. I'm a Giants fan, but uh, I, I think as I started to go to more and more Phillies games, especially when they got better and more interesting, I definitely switched allegiance. And we would go to five, six games a year, and I was lucky enough to go to to game five of 
the World Series for against Tampa, and that was oh, fantastic. Once once you experience something like that, you're never going to go back as a fan. In terms of back to your old team, I'm from Phillies, Phillies fan through and through at this point. Let me tell you, I, I actually had to switch over because in the 90s when my wife and I started dating, I'd go to her house and I'd feel like a jerk rooting against the Phillies. And yeah, they're all like, you're a horrible Mets person. Typically I'd run down there, but it's crowded. Oh, I guess. Dude, we're going downstairs, Chip. We could do that, yeah. We're going to do some stair work here. Right. Here are stair miles with uh, Chip, Jordan, Jeff. I'm going to lead the way here. This is fun. Look at this, sun, stairs. Yeah, there's a lot of people out and about today, Penn. All right, here we go. Now, Chip, we like to bring this up in most podcasts. Really hot button issue in running, dividing people, dividing families. Divisive. Divisive. Music or no music? While running. Uh, I used to do music and I haven't done it in years. Wow, and why is that? Uh, I just, I don't feel like it anymore. Right. I listen to it pre-race maybe or maybe in the hotel room as I'm, you know, preparing for a race, but I used to feel like I needed it to, to, to kill the time during like a two, three hour run. And it just one decided I didn't need it anymore. What you, what's going through your head silence of the running? You're just enjoying the moment. And sometimes, I'm sure you guys have all done it on your runs, you do a little problem solving. That is the thing I tell people, where you get away from the computer screen, what you're working on, take that problem with you, not a big problem. You're like, how can I solve and just get a new perspective. And it's nice not to be looking at a computer or a phone or yeah. you get away from the technology for whatever, however long you're going to run for and you're forced at the moment. It's just harder and harder to do these days. Getting away from screens pretty hard. The football with sticks game. Right. It seems to be very intense right now and gaining popularity as I can see with the stands. Let's say you're marketing, you're head of marketing for one of the uh, Philly agencies that's going to market uh, stick football. What would you call it? I mean, stick football doesn't sound... I guess the XFL didn't really take off. <laughs> yeah. Maybe like... We can go up the stairs, we can go here. Stairs, more stairs. Maybe with, like like the band sticks with a Y and two... But I threw two X's on just to make it a little more crazy. Gerard, favorite sticks album? Uh, Paradise Theater. Paradise Theater. The, I, to me, it sounds like you're a front runner because that was your hit album. Pieces of Eight. Renegade. Good. Yeah, you know... I think that's when I'm like, this five-man unit really knows what they're doing. Great robes. Dennis DeYoung is just a lunatic. I, did I ever tell you my Dennis? I have a Dennis DeYoung story. Thank God. So, to be honest, got truth. A little while back, I was uh, I was doing a show up at the Art, which is up at Steel Stacks, beautiful uh, complex up there, and uh, I was finding a little comedy show in the small theater that night. That same night in the big theater, Dennis DeYoung was doing a solo show in the big theater that same night. Right. But what happened was, and we're joking, but this is the honest God truth, he got laryngitis. He <laughs> lost his voice or he got sick or whatever the day of. Please tell me you had to sub in. So basically, so what happened was, since it was the day of, he got sick, they had to cancel his show. The staff, in, with their best intentions, all these Styx fans showed up. And they're like, well, the show's canceled, but instead, there's a comedy show in there. <laughs> Go see Chip Change Comedy, which is the worst idea in the world. You can't spring comedy on a group of people. Half the room I had to perform for that night in my theater were just angry, angry. disappointed Sticks fans. They just sat there with their arms folded. And they just, some of them hated me, and the other half were like, 
when's he gonna do Mr. Roboto? Like, yeah, right, right. Pilled out and they, did, they, they were just sad. Pretty good singer, Chip. I would have figured that you could have maybe opened it up a couple. Said I encored with Lady. <laughs> Lady's an all-timer. Great crescendo at the end. Um, Gizm between the rest of Sticks and Dennis DeYoung right now. It's irreparable, but I still hold out hope. I'm that kind of fan. Sticks uh, goes on tour with another band from that era, Chicago. And at the end, both bands join forces and they do each other's songs together. And Chicago is such a more band, oh, of course. just better songs, that it's, you almost feel bad in Chicago. It's just literally all 42 members of Chicago, the seven members of Sticks, and like, they all take turns singing. But you can tell the Sticks people are excited to sing Chicago songs. But the Chicago people are like, what the fuck's this Sticks song I'm singing? It's like the time when Bon Jovi and Bruce performed together and Bruce had to sing along like backups to one of those Bon Jovi songs and his face just basically showed it all like Jesus Christ, what, am I, what have I signed up for? Crossing back over into, we're gonna go back to the uh, boardwalk area. One thing I want to talk about, I just read a post about the Chicago Marathon, which is fantastic because I think every runner, no matter how much you train, how good you feel, every day is different for your for running. You're either gonna have a great day, an okay day, and sometimes it's just a bad day, right? Exactly, and that's and that was Chicago for me. That was a rough, rough day on many levels. And it just, you know, two weeks removed from it now, I'm definitely over it, I've learned from it. And uh, gives you perspective, I mean. Basically, you, your body just, was not into it that day, whether it was headache, GI, you got any GI that day? GI, there was some headache, there might have been a fever involved. But, uh... You kind of had an inkling the night before? Uh, you know what, I didn't, I had a headache the night before, and then when I woke up with a headache, but I really didn't think much of it until after the race, when my wife told me that she, she thought I felt warm. But I mean, it's really not an excuse. I mean, the temperature that day was probably comparable to what we're running. So it's probably multiple factors and just led to a bad day. Uh, what should you do mentally, even if you're feeling okay, but you, you know it's going to be a hot run? What as far as your expectations? You want to adjust your goal, of course. You're not, you're not going to be able to sustain that same pace that you think you would when it's 10, 20 degrees cooler. And, you know, as, as hard as it is to fight it, you do have to change your expectations. Going out slower, as slower, you said, yeah. yeah, make sure when you're going out, you're not. And that's what I did, but it still didn't do me any good that particular day. But, but I always tell people, like, that just shows you what running's all about. There's extreme highs, there's extreme lows. You're going to bonk. I historically bonked two, two races. That took me weeks to get over, but when I was done, I'm like, yeah, you just got to figure stuff like that's going to happen, and it makes you kind of appreciate what you're doing. Yeah, and no matter how bad your day is, you can always find something good to learn from it, uh, a good experience, even in the midst of all that bad, uh, in, in the midst of a bad experience, you can find something positive from it, and that's what I usually try to tell my runners, is you're always going to learn and find something good from any any kind of run. Yeah, let's go to the, the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, extreme colds. Have you had any, uh, you know, obviously very cold weather runs that you've had to deal with, and how do you... Uh, how do you change, change for that? Obviously, you know, you, you would wear you know, maybe some different clothing, but uh, 
And is there any way you prepare for, uh, I know last year for the half marathon, the Philadelphia half marathon, it was a beautiful day, sunny in the 50s, and my wife ran her first marathon. It was really cold and the windy. The next day it was freezing, yes. and she was a champ, and she did great. But uh, what would you tell somebody who's about to face a real temperature drop? Vaseline. Yeah, that's one thing for sure. On the face. For the chafing in the, in the face in the cold weather. Uh, don't want to dress, even though it's going to be cold, because you're still going to warm up as a runner. Sure. Uh, you don't want to tense up too much when you're running against the wind. Sure. But generally, everybody else has the same, you know, they're going to run through the same weather as you, so it's just a matter of trying to deal with it as, as best as you can. You ever, uh, in many, all the races you've done, have you ever just halfway through been like, oh crap, I'm done? Uh, I've, I've thought that many times. Uh, did I ever? Whoa, is it vanity? It's like, I don't want to look horribly bad in front of people. You know, there's vanity, and I think about the issue I have right now. About my dad telling me not to be with it, and uh, and I just uh, oh, I think that way, yeah. So I'm a little excited, I'm getting a little, yeah. We just gotta, we're in a section of Philadelphia right here. I don't know what it's called, maybe uh, what would you call this section? Anybody, uh, Fiddler Square? yeah, I'm gonna say Fiddler Square. Square, you sound like you're making that up, guys, but I believe it's tea. Oh, okay, not not Tevye, yeah. no, gotcha. So here's like a big, we're coming close to uh. Uh, baseball field. I think a lot of my friends who have kids play baseball over here. Park, soccer, uh, and of course dog park. That's where we're going to take a little break. Look at some dogs. We look at Chip. We like to look at the little dog park, big dog park. Yeah, we like to compare the two. Oh, and there's a Mr. Softy. Chip, was that one of your nicknames in high school? Uh, many. I will say that. Yes. One of them was. Let's just say after that, one of them was not the good humor man. I mistakenly said in front of my kids once, the word uh, Tasty Bits came up during dinner. And I jokingly said, Tasty Bits, that was my nickname in high school. And then my kids, you know, they got a laugh out of it. And now that's like the running gag. Yeah, any, any, any dumb two words together, like my, my daughters will say it now. That was my nickname in elementary school. It's fun, you can do that with kids. All right, so we're gonna slow up. Let's just uh, slow down here, looking at the watch. We, we out of right now. The problem is we're in a very high traffic pedestrian dog. So look at that little waggler. With blistering speed, it really, it, it, it upsets. And ex exactly, exactly. Now, Gerard, you're busy running, thinking about talking, stuff like that. Did you notice anything Chip and I were doing wrong while we were running? Because part of being a good coach is knowing what your people are doing right. And when you list the things that we're doing wrong, let's just say the given, we obviously know we're not supposed to be facilitating a podcast <laughs> while we do that. So we can take that. All right, so I'll, I won't bring that one up. Is running with a microphone. That's bad, right? Probably distracting, but uh, you guys are doing great with it. Yeah, we're, we're, we used to get a lot of, I'd say the looks would be mixed between complete anger, like, why are you? I think yeah. we can say contempt. We can use the word contempt. Contempt. Uh, some people, a lot of big smiles. A lot of people happy. Oh my God, look at all these good dogs. There's a little puppy getting hugs. Oh my God, how good dog. Oh, another good, look at this. This is an embarrassing dog. It really is. Um, yeah, we've gotten mixed reviews, but um, for the most part, they haven't stopped us. This looks like a little puppy right here. Hi, buddy. Oh, good boy. Do you feel weird calling all dogs good boys? Because some could be girls. Some could be girls, but let's just assume. I do the rule under 20 pounds. I, when I approach a dog, I go, hey, sweetie, and then over... 20 pounds, I'm like, hey, buddy. What's the logic? I do that with people as That's well. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that, that works for people. I, I will 
notice that you know what I do instead of although I guess there there are some uh, obviously there are some gender uh, specific names but uh, and instead of saying sweetie or buddy uh, I'll just I'll just make a name up for him uh, Bongo is one of my favorite like hey Bongo and uh, people get a kick out of that because they go oh, it's not my dog's name but it's a it's a fun name for a dog are you a dog owner Gerald yes uh, he's about 30 pounds he's a mix uh, his name's Harry and Harry Harry generally when he comes here he'll stick to the small dog uh, oh. He goes he on. Go either way. Yeah, he could probably fit in here too, but generally he's a little better with the smaller dogs. Is he a uh, good boy with other dogs? He's well behaved. Really good off the leash, like in a dog park setting like this. But if I'm taking him out for a walk on the leash, he's he could be a little bit uh, aggressive. a little aggressive. I think the leash kind of turns him into a different kind of dog. He gets more defensive. Uh, so I have one of those. So, yeah. but he he's I've tried running with him too. He's 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 not a he, he's probably a he if he was a runner he'd be like a 5k specialist yeah that's good otherwise yeah. he's a zigzagger too so you have to be careful running with him so i don't take him out too much with us he's a zigzagger Our last episode we were talking about all the different styles of dog gates yes yeah zigzagger is a fun one zigzagging uh, yeah. waddlers uh, we call fancy steppers high steppers high steppers yeah. yeah uh my dog's just a head down uh scavenger that's all he wants to do is look for food i was at a uh, party last night there's a fire pit and someone had their two pugs with them and the two pugs did not lift their heads up for an hour straight just confusing looking for food um just strange strange little dogs yeah uh, we're gonna take a break right now to save this uh this is junk miles episode 13 what's the name of this dog park Schuylkill river dog park Schuylkill river dog park there we go Done quite a few marathons, sure. So Boston is what everybody trains for. I think you know every race you look at tells you, hey, the whatever uh, Steam Town Marathon and underneath Boston Boston Marathon qualifier. That's a big deal. People to do that particular race if they think it's going to be a fast course to get them a Boston qualifier for sure. So oh, is that basically to qualify when they call it a Boston qualifying course? They basically mean it's like a good speedy one as opposed to like a real difficult one that most races will be like certified distance so they, they technically will all qualify as a boston course but you have to run a certain time for your age group to qualify and right. steamtown is one of those races where it's considered one of the top 10 faster courses in the country so it's, it, it attracts a lot of people who are attempting to bq but the drawback is you have to go to scranton <laughs> i know people from scranton i don't like them but i mean i'm, I'm still aware of their existence a lot of great stuff in scranton there's uh going on right now nope. this is nice yeah, yeah 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 what was the first year that you qualified and did boston uh ironically since we're talking about steamtown i did it did qualify at steamtown uh go steamtown back in 04. i didn't the boston my first boston was in 2005 then when they used to start it at noon did they really yes. was that completely against 
everything your body wanted to do and uh, 12 o'clock yeah i was ready for lunch at that point and it was probably about 76 78 degrees at the start oh my god so i was not prepared for that was it a good one for you not one of my better races but i was just happy to be there yeah was it as i imagine i watch it every year is it as awe-inspiring in a true sense of the word awesome yeah. as you'd imagine the crowd support i mean the the mag the magnitude of it all just feels bigger and you kind of have to keep that all in check when you're there to keep yourself from going out too fast and also you could almost be mentally exhausted before the race starts because there's so much to t so much stimuli at the expo and in the city itself the day before and in the morning of the race it's uh could be overwhelming do you uh do you ever have problems night before just shutting it all down to uh i think as i've done more races i've gotten a little better with the night before but i'll always wake up in the middle of the night probably about two hours earlier than i need to just because i'm excited and that never goes away what was uh you know runners will talk about pr younger runners it's more important as you get older you're like hey there's my pr way back then i'm happy with it um what race marathon wise did you pr i pr'd in philly back in 13. so i, I was yeah, it was four years ago at this point uh that was my pr so i was happy with that because at that point i still talk about it, like how what the chances are still being able to pr in your, in your mid 40s yeah Chris, my goodness 43 44 at the time and uh i was still able to do it so that was a that was a fun race philly i mean a lot of people go hey what's a good first marathon where you have the mix of everything it's crowd support it's enough distractions on the course it's you know beautiful the beautiful area um the diversity of the area i really have a hard time putting anything up against philly um i've never done chicago what would you say I like Philly because, uh, you know, one, it's kind of like the hometown race, but you get a little bit of everything. You get the, the urban side of it being in the center city area for some of the miles. You get a lot of the park. Yeah. You get the crowd support. You get the zoo. West Philly, go through a university section. You go all the way up chip up near you, uh, Columbus Boulevard. And speaking of that, you know, you, you talk about, because I do love having a... Uh, a race that's broken up you see you get the scenery yeah. and, and you know it really changes your the thing i liked about the half marathon last year in philly which they of course unfortunately changed the path but uh it, it was it was more hills but it was just much more interesting and it just kept my every half mile i felt like it was a totally different type of scenery and it really kept me moving yeah. when, you, when you're coaching how much of it is physical and how much do you deal with med, uh, the mental side of it I think especially in the marathon, the mental side of it's going to be huge because there's going to be a time in the race where you're, you're going to doubt yourself or your, your runner is going to doubt themselves and you just have to have kind of the tools to, to combat that and ignore the voices of doubt, that kind of thing. And sometimes you can ignore the voice of doubt and other times it just swallows you up. But I think the more you do it, the, the easier it becomes to get beyond that. And distance races, again, uh, check out Gerald's uh, blog post on sweat equity running about his uh, Chicago. There's that sense of, during the race, no matter how crowded, how small the race is, of loneliness, where you're just like... In Chicago especially, yeah. Because you're in your own world and nobody can help you. Right. There's absolutely no assistance. You know, it's not physical at that point. It's emotional. It's mental. And... Uh, that's tough to overcome. Is that something, you know, you can train people to 
you know, deal with that? Yeah, there are tricks you, you can help train people and sort of get them to, 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 to get through the tougher moments. Uh, but again, it has to do with the more, the more time you do it, I mean, the more races you, you register for, the more times you go, you'll have more experiences to take with you to the next race, really, to, to help, you know, when that, when that situation comes up again. Is, uh, there are a few things you can do with, with your runners. And, and if, you're, if you're interested, people, if you are a new runner, definitely, and you're looking for coaching, because coaching's great, running groups are great, if you don't want to go it alone, sweatequityrunning.com. Also go to chipchat.com. There's many good running uh, information there, correct? Uh, wildly inappropriate and dangerous. Dangerous, right. That's those who have been my running tips. So, you know, you know, if you really want to, you know, if you really want to go for it and you think you're serious, go with Gerard, but <laughs> it, you're just out looking for a good time. And really a fun, dangerous time. A fun, dangerous time. The first, the first five sessions, I, this, they say it's unorthodox. I actually force my runners to run with scissors. Whoa. Yeah, so they, most of the magazines say that's what <laughs> I'm unorthodox. That's what I, that's what I think my strength is. Speaking of, runners were all sold. Uh, yeah, Rodale Press is now part of the hearse, I believe. Oh, yeah. I wonder if, uh, I believe there's, I think I read 400 jobs up in Emmaus, is it? Where uh, their headquarters are? That's right. And they're not sure whether everything will be ported over to New York or they'll get to stay. Too soon to tell. Yeah. Great magazine. I got to tell you, though, as I'm older, and my eyes, I think, you know, very old eyes, smaller for most articles really small it's not good for me um have you noticed that i actually yes i have a similar challenge with my own eyes um, absolutely yeah so maybe the new regime that maybe that could be something they focus on larger font format like you know for the elderly i like that when you're able to uh do you ever like look at a magazine and you use your fingers to do the uh you know like zoom in right like zoom in because you think you're on a screen oh, right, yeah. but then you're reading print piece yeah. And then you get mad at the print piece. Ink all over your fingers, and then you just get angry all over again. I do it like constantly. I'm reading directions on a bottle, and I try to like pinch out, and then I just throw the bottle and I yell. You know what I'm saying? We're uh, going uphill right now. We're almost back at the starting point. How many miles we're we looking at there? Any idea, Jar? I think my watch kind of conked down on me, but I'm yeah, between five and six. That's so we like to do beautiful Sunday afternoon. Let's round it up. To round it. It's always good where you're like, is it five one three, five one four? We'll round it up to seven, just for uh, because you probably you know you do a lot of this, sure. right? And that adds just, just like zagging, zigging and zagging, just like Harry, just like Winslow. I got a fun question for you, John. You are done. Big race. Your body's back to normal. What, what do you treat yourself with? What's the food, the drink? You're like, I've been waiting for this. I haven't had it in weeks. It's go time. Anything that begins with a B would be like a beer or a burger. There you go. Are you able? How many hours after a marathon? Are you feeling? Uh, uh, sometimes I have trouble the, the day of the race and I'll, 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 I'll try to uh, enjoy myself the next day, but I'll, usually by the race. I'm sort of back to normal and stomach-wise, and I'll go with definitely a beer or two. Is that fun? Oh yeah, it tastes much better. But I uh, it was the it was last year's marathon, the, the cold Billy, right? Chip, we were talking. 
I got, I, my body temperature just went so down low. I had to go in bed, wrap myself up. And my wife, who's awesome, brought a big bowl of tomato soup, placed it next to my bed. And I was just like all groggy. I'm like, help me, save me, I'm dying. And she's like, soup next to you. I'm like, all right. Then like, my phone goes off, rings. I slap my hand to get my phone. My hand into the soup that was next to my bed. Like, it went in violently, you know what I mean? Like, give me that phone. Give me that handful of soup. And I was so tired and just basically beaten up. I had a hard time getting out of bed to go uh, tend to the medical emergency of the uh, scalded soup hand. I'm guessing you haven't had anything Just uh, the worst experience I had was after, we were just talking about Boston. After my first Boston, I had probably a mild case of uh, heat, heat exhaustion. Yeah. And I definitely could not, I couldn't eat that night and I couldn't eat the first half of the next day. Let's, let's walk out. Yeah. Which was disappointing because I was looking forward to a nice meal up in Boston. Oh yeah. And I couldn't eat or drink anything. And uh, yeah, I felt like I was gonna pass out because it was so warm. But that's probably the worst I've. As a professional who tells people what to expect while running, before running, after running, do you have like, hey, afterwards, let's say your heart rate is way up, which is kind of, you know, as people get older, it's a bit dangerous or, you know, they're feeling like heat stroke. Do you give them a skill set to use? Like besides going to seek medical uh, help, like what they could do? Yeah, I mean, if they're in the situation where they feel like they're at risk, they definitely want to seek medical attention for sure. Um, you don't want to just stop and sit down or lay down. You want to keep, oh, okay. you know, vertical. Right. Once you go down, it's hard to come back up. Um, right, so even if it's hard, just at least stand. Try to stand or, or walk slowly if you can, but, you know, make sure, hopefully somebody will be around you to, to, you know, give you a hand. You Typically at the finish line of races, there's always a volunteer to help you out. Yeah, there's usually. And they're pretty helpful. And they can, they can pretty much spot, like, look at that guy. In the bib that says Jeff, late 40s, he needs, right? Absolutely. Right. Jeff, you feel, uh, what's your, what's your go-to after a race? You know, I was never a beer guy after a race, but I, I've definitely gotten, you know, gotten more into that. I it's think more that's... more of a communal thing as well. I, I think that's really what it is. It's, it's the community about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No cheese. I know that, Chip. Yeah, I'm not a cheese guy. Uh, I'll go with a nice turkey burger. Uh, yeah, nice tur go. turkey burger. Great. Where are, how about pizza? Is always uh, yeah, yeah. pizza always, is always. Where in Philly? Like, name your your bar that you would go to to get the burger. Oh, at this point in my new neighborhood, we've been going to the Black Taxi, which is. Uh, I've heard of that. Good. Yeah, nice burger. Good enough for fish and chips. If you're a fish and chips kind of person. Yeah, yeah. Chip, what was? Where were we the other night after that uh, podcast? I love that place. The Devil something. Oh, Devil's Den. Devil's Den down in. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's a, that's a good one. All right, so we're going to take a break. I see, you know what I say, guys? We each grab a water, maybe Gatorade, and we go sit down at a little table, finish this up. Would that be good? I mean, I hate stopping, Chip. I, I hate not running. Stop. People expect us to run all the time, but I think a, a post-run, um, I think we did a good five or six there. We're at Lloyd Hall again, enjoying some shade. Junk Miles episode 13. We'll be back. Wrap this thing up. So there's got to be a lot of... We're back, by the way. Podcast uh, 13, Junk Miles, Chip, Jeff, Gerard. There's got to be a lot of, like, pride. Satis uh, pride of once you get someone through whatever the goal was for running, and, like, you get that phone call or that text, like, hey, 
I just finished the race, crushed it, or... Oh, you feel great, and you know, you realize that they did well because of all the hard work they put into it. And right. then and then if a runner has a disappointing day, you, you take that to heart, too. You feel like, oh, oh my God, what, what could we have done differently? You know, what can I have done differently as a coach to help this person, to help them improve the next time? You know, that, so it kind of works, you know, both yeah, ways, yeah. too, yeah. The highs and the lows. Absolutely. You live it together, which is very true. I had two people at work. I, I you know, obviously, I know nothing about coaching, but I'm, I'm there as someone like a sounding board. So my one friend at work recently trained, uh, did great training, uh, did the the marathon in Bethlehem that you do the half, what's that called? The, uh, the Via half, yeah. Via, and perfect day for running this year, and she she crushed it. She did even better than she thought. She just wanted to be around, you know, like 410. She was getting near the end, last couple of miles. She's like, I can even do better. She ended up getting like three, uh, five, uh, three, like just right, right under four. And the pride, like the thing was, and she was off the whole week after. So... I'm like checking, the, I think the beautiful thing about, you know, marathons and races, you can check people's times, yeah. <laughs> whether you're, right, track them, and like, when I saw that she like, did great, I like, welled up, and I'm like, oh, I'm so happy for more, like, and I couldn't wait for her to come back and be like, dude, you know, it's like such a great feeling. Absolutely. Um, but then again, like, most of the, the stuff I was doing, she's like, hey, what do you do, like, what do you, you know, eat the night before, nothing like in-depth like you would do about training plans, but what... She would always be like, what's something that derailed you? And I, Chip, I talk about this constantly, is about like your GI and yes. planning your, what you eat early, what to get out of your system, and you know, what do you do during the race when you have a GI issue, which can totally derail your day. Yeah, and typically I'll, I'll have my runners do what they'll typically do bef the, you know, the, the morning of their long runs. Like you don't want to stray too much from what you did throughout the training, but at the same time is they're gonna do some trial and error during the training cycle, what worked for them during this long run? Okay, well, let's try to stick to that the night before or the morning of the race. So it's, yeah, there's some GI issues that could definitely <laughs> derail you. I, I generally try to eat a little earlier the night before, okay. whether it's a long run or a race, because then, not to get graphic, but no, you, want, you want things moving along the next yes. morning, especially if you're gonna have your coffee. Yeah, I, that's another, but here's the thing. I've gone back and forth at races about coffee because coffee to me sometimes like gets everything out, you know, and you need to get it, you know, stuff out of your system. It works well. But I've found as I get older and, and caffeine is kind of problematic to me, it, it tenses me up in the chest and it gets a little more like my anxiety built because of the caffeine. And so when I'm going out, like starting a race, I'm like, I'm too tense and the caffeine is like, through me so what i do is i haven't had caffeine before a run yet then like mile eight i take a goo packet with caffeine and then my body it works it's worked for me but then i'm i ease my way into the caffeine i don't have the pre-race anxiety and the caffeine's actually good for me and that's that's a, that's a good approach as well absolutely and for me personally i'm such a coffee fiend like I, it, to me it calms me like even oh, okay. though it's, it's even though obviously it's Gonna, You're a lucky it's guy. gonna it's gonna amp you up but it's kind of like once i'm sitting you know in bed having my coffee it's like ah uh, this is the oh. only this is the calmest part of the day not just for a race but for the worst day. Of the day yeah yeah i uh i need that for even if it's five minutes oh if when i'm running a race and i see people you know every year i see our buddy dan mcquade yes. around mile 11 at philly marathon big yep. cup big coffee yes and he's always there looking like he just literally are and and Every time I see someone with a delicious cup of coffee, I'm like, I would rather be that person. I, I can't wait to just be standing or sitting with coffee as opposed to... Have that aroma during the oh. race. You can smell it. And that's another... That part of the race on Philly from 
went around uh, mile seven when you hit Chestnut, and then you just go straight through the city. Yes. You go like through South for a while, then you go up to Chestnut all the way in to uh, University, and it's just that narrow shoot, and the crowd support is just incredible. Like that's one of my favorite things I tell people. My first half mar marathon, I totally missed mile seven. <laughs> It was, I think it was mile seven, right around there. I hit six, and I was, but and but I just got all caught up in that, and I was so excited. But then I started to get a little tired, and I thought, boy, I'm never hitting mile seven. I'm just never hitting it. Oh, I, I was, and I was like, and then I was getting down. I was like, boy, and then all of a sudden I saw the mile eight marker, and I just, you know, and of course I, it was my first run. I wasn't, you know, super worried about, you know, keeping a time or anything. Uh, so I wasn't keeping too 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 much. Isn't the best feeling when you? When I hit mile eight, when I thought I was just getting up to seven, yeah. I uh, I was doing an ocean drive marathon once, and I had my headphones in, and it was literally 35 degrees, and we're running into the wind. I think the joke with the ocean drive is you run from Cape May up to um, somewhere. I, I forget the name of the town. The one where uh, past Avalon, Sea, Sea, it's the fun town, Sea Isle. It ends in Sea Isle. And every year, it's always a headwind. So I have my headphones in, mile six, headphones go out, I take them off. Second I take them off, and it's not a lot of people in this race, it's a lonely race, it's in the end of March, and a guy just starts talking to me. So I've never really talked to anyone during a race, and I, I, I never really thought I wanted to, and he's like the nicest Midwestern guy, hey, I'm from Chicago. We talked for five miles, yeah. and I didn't even realize as the miles, and it was one of the most pleasant running it's great where you can lock in with somebody like that man. and we were same pace and it was i felt like almost hugging him at the end because he basically said uh i'm gonna slow down i'm like i'll keep going but it was like hey there's something to this as we mentioned earlier maybe you don't need you know the headphones the music but like when you take people out i know i think katie uh, katie sweeney you coached her i yes, believe I and she said that was a great experience you'd go on like mini group runs or yeah we did do that together uh we took her uh, uh she was hesitant at first but i think afterwards she was thankful that we did it because it just you, the miles you just peel off the miles when you're running with a group like that yeah. all of a sudden you're at 14 miles like whoa where'd the time go yeah and i think when people become more and more confident as you can talk while you run, like Chip, obviously we're experts at it, talking while running, running while talking, and it's not even during this podcast. I think we, when we go out with our wives, they will have a drink, and you and I will be running around the bar just talking to yes. each other. Yeah. That's, we just keep pace. That's, it's, it's that dedication to the craft um, that we're really into. Uh, you guys want to hear an embarrassing running story that happened yeah. to me? No, let's just wrap it up, and uh, thank you guys All so right. much. For this is great. Today. Yeah, well, you know, we got a couple more minutes. I want to hear embarrassing running stories. This was to the point, I think we texted about it. You were actually very concerned after I I, I mentioned that I got hurt running. I don't remember. You probably did. Oh, yeah, yes, I do now. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, doing an 18-mile run last week. I'm at mile 13 going into Maniac. Maniac movie, movie theater right on my left. I noticed a bunch of people in front of me. So I'm like, I'm going to go just jump on to the side, off the sidewalk so I don't, you know, ruin their, their fun. I, there was a brick literally standing up like in a cartoon. It was just not supposed to be there. I trip over it. I fall. I do this. And then I try to do the cool maneuver where you flip over and jump up. Sure. I got halfway over and I fell over on my side. Just old, decrepit. When I got up, I had blood on both arms and coming out here. And I had a white shirt. So I just wipe them all over my shirt like this, right? All where my belly is and my chest. I didn't realize it looked exactly like I was shot 
like a gunshot wound. There's just blood everywhere. As I'm entering Maniunk at around 12 o'clock, prime brunch and hour, as I'm running in, three separate people stopped and said, oh my God, are you all right? Because it looked like I was shot. Yeah. And then I, I, I'm like, I'm fine. Like I had to stop and I'm like, oh my God, I, I really do. I, I didn't realize I looked like I was shot. So basically I, I ran the rest of the way, like balled up my shirt and my little gut hanging out and I kind of had my arm in front then I had to like go on the path. Remember the path we were running on our one episode? Yeah. Go all the way up there to mile 15, turn around. The beautiful thing about this type of shirt, the what is it, wicky, wicking, wicking, wicking material? By the end of the run, all of the blood sweated off and my beautiful running, white running shirt had nary a thing of blood left on it because wow. of the sweat basically just cleaned it off. Uh, if you if you would have known that you had all that blood on there, what would have been a lot more fun to do is self-aware is just arms out, let them see the blood, and then just run. The bear is loose. The bear is loose. <laughs> and I think that I, I think that would be a lot more fun for to, you know that would. Speaking of passing time during a race, that that's that's gonna. Bear is loose. Jared, any epic like running, injured while running, but looking back, it was kind of fun. Funny. Funny. Yeah. Well, the first time, uh, the first time I, I did a group run was uh, years ago at the Bryn Mawr Running Club, and it was a night run, and we were supposed to do hill repeats. But we were, I was running with maybe eight or ten people, and I, I ran right into a fire hydrant in front of the whole group the first time I'm meeting these people, and, and I'm trying to like, you know, everybody's like, oh my god, are you okay? Oh, fine, it's fine. Meanwhile, I was like, it was agony, and I, I somehow did the workout with them. But when I went home, I was just fire hydrant right on, and I just, it was just ugly. But they, they helped me out. So they, you had to kind of be like, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. You're like, oh. Yeah, now you, there, you probably you're like called like fire hydrant Gerard from now on, right? Sure. Injuries. Injuries. I've been very lucky because, you know, as you can tell, I'm, I'm nimble like a cat. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, but, you know, I, ha I have been very lucky. I, I can't think of any major injuries. The, the only ones that, that are really embarrassing, I, I remember being a few times being out, uh, out near Penn's Landing and uh on a, on a cooler day and it even a little rainier plus i had a little sweat but it was a cooler day and just the uh the nipple nipple chafing just and then you have to make that decision it's do you run with the shirt pulled out and then you look ridiculous do you take the shirt off and and people don't want to see that necessarily or do you, do you just uh do you muscle through it so that's uh that's that's always been my uh, uh my embarrassing Years ago, people would do the uh, the band-aids over yeah. the nipples. Do, you, do people still do that? I think some people do that. There's even something called nip guards at this oh, point. Oh, yeah. wow. Yep, or, or just uh, body glide at this point. Body, I do so much. I have so much body glide over the body itself. It's just completely gliding. Yeah, it, yeah. And we mentioned earlier, too, cold weather. Coming up, guys, cold weather running. And I think the important thing is, I can't stress it enough, Vaseline, the filtrum yes. right here, that's where you really get it, filtrum. No side of nose, no a prominent nose like myself there. Side of the face just really saves you from that burn. Any um, any couple like just little tips that like you know most people starting out running you'd be like, hey you guys, you know you besides you know, the footwear like anything just out of the ordinary you might not think. Uh, like, I, I think one of the things people sometimes afraid they're afraid to ask questions and and don't be afraid uh, and and. We were just talking about you know running in a group. Some people are intimidated by it because they think, oh my God, the group's going to be so much faster. But that's it's really a good motivational force for you or tool for you. And I just don't be afraid to ask questions. If if you think 
you know, it's, somebody's going to say, oh my God, that's a stupid question. It's n there's no stupid question, especially with the running when you're starting out, because everybody was a beginning, yeah. a beginner runner at some point, and we, we you know, you don't, you don't just all of a sudden acquire all this, all the knowledge. It happens over years, and, and so we all started from scratch, and, you know, it's just, yeah. don't be afraid to ask. Be inquisitive, right? Chip, what do you got coming up? Uh, you know, n not a lot in the area. I, I'm, I'm trying to think. I, yeah, not a lot in the area. I'll be heading to, uh, to Los Angeles and Lake Tahoe uh, in a couple of weeks. I'll be, out, I'll be out of town. So, we'll who, who will you be hanging out with over? One of our Philly's favorite comedians, correct? Philadelphia's favorite sons, uh, Todd Glass, and I will be performing in uh, Los Angeles, Northern California, and uh, well, I guess Tahoe is technically. I, I think Tahoe is Tahoe right on the border. I, I don't go anywhere. I have no I idea. Where it is. Yeah, so we're doing uh, Mill Valley, which is outside of San Francisco, and Lake Tahoe for a couple of days. When you talk to Todd when he's not, like, you know, doing his Todd, like, can you get a word in edgewise, like, normally, just like as a normal Todd talking guy? Yeah, there, no, there's never a, a time where Todd is not doing a Todd a Todd thing. By the way, are you seeing what's happening? I, oh, no, it looks like they're peeping. Uh, yeah, well, it, it kind of looked like they're peeping, but it was just, the, uh, what we're witnessing right now, uh, right near Lloyd Hall, is... Uh, a bunch of people were on a Segway tour, tour, but they all pulled up just to this wall, one by one, and then they just all stood there on the Segway, which I guess you need to do that. But it was very, it was almost like a, a Blair Witch type thing where you have to you have to stand in the corner. Yeah, it was a... Uh, this might be like some sort of satanic uh, Segway tour, right? I'd, I'd say that. It's the season. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be great if they had some costumes on, little devil guy. Two good pups right over Chip's shoulders. They look like they're buddies. They look like they had a good day. Out and about, Joe. What do you got coming up? Not coaching-wise, personal-wise. What do you got? A race uh, next race? Probably Boston in the spring. I mean, I'll probably do some some shorter races before then, but it'll be Boston. Yeah. Excited. This will be number. Be my fourth Boston. Will your wife be doing this with you? Or? Doing it this year as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Great. All right. Now here's a question. Wife, husband, running, different paces. I know she's she's a t top top tier runner like yourself. Would do you run together? Do you? Uh, we don't train together, uh, and she'll she'll race at her own pace. But once in a, once every couple weeks, we'll run together for. for it's fun. Hey, yeah, Chip and you and Kim would run together, right? Back in the day. Oh, uh, we did back in the day, but we definitely run. Uh, we were taught by a friend of ours who uh, who was a physical therapist and runner. She and she always said, "Run your own race." So uh, that we always try to do. We we would. Uh, you know, we would meet up obviously before and after, but that that uh, we would always kind of do our own thing. You got any races coming up, Chip? Uh, not right now. I I wanted to do uh, this will be my first Philly half that I'm missing in a while, but I'll be in uh, in Tahoe. Well, maybe just while you're out in Tahoe, run 13 miles. 13.1. I'll do it. 13.1. Uh, what do you have coming up, by the way? If I can get through this, I'm going to do everything a running coach told me not to. I'm just going to run till my knee falls off. I'm going to do this this stupid. I'm sorry, Bucks County. I've been looking forward to it. 500. I guarantee I'll be in the top 500. Yeah. I might not. Well, maybe not. <laughs> At the rate I'm going with my knee, I might. I might not finish. I, I will finish. You don't trip over any bricks this time. I won't. I promise. Hey, by, by the way, George. So somebody's listening to this podcast. They hey, okay. Let me ask you a question, uh, and then uh, we can go in for the close if we need to. Uh, your clients are they generally beginners or intermediate people that that are trying to cut time? Uh, who, who, some yeah. people are going for their first marathon. Other people are more seasoned. It's, it's a nice range of people, and they yeah. all have their own individual goals. But it's a nice mix of people. Uh, yeah, let's, so somebody's listening to this podcast, uh, which I think would be a great idea. They want to increase, you know, decrease their time. They want to get better. They just want to learn. Uh, we do have some listeners here who are not 
necessarily runners. Uh, yeah. So quite a few. So, so they want to get started. Uh, how do they how do they get a hold of you? They could uh, go onto the website at sweatequityrunning.com and then they could uh, get in touch with me that way and uh, we take it from there. Absolutely. I'm happy to help if you have any questions. Guys, that was um, Junk Miles, episode 13. Right now we're ending at a Cosmic Cafe, Lloyd Hall, some good dogs. Gerard, thank you so much, Gerard. Sweatequityrunning.com, Pescator. Thanks for the time, guys. It was a lot of fun. Cool. Thank you, Chip. I'll talk to you soon. Now let's end this magnificent podcast with a good song. Here is This Boy Is Exhausted by one of my favorite bands, The Wrens, out of New Jersey from the 2003 classic The Meadowlands. Bye. Yeah.